Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I am glad that you are here. Last night, I went to a presidential rally. President Trump had a rally in, of all places, Fargo, North Dakota, and we had the opportunity to attend, and I thought it would be great to share with you what our experience was like. This was our first presidential rally for me, my wife, my family, and we have been visiting Lucia's sister in western Minnesota. Minnesota and North Dakota are side-by-side. Western Minnesota, where we are currently, is about, I'd say, two hours from Fargo. And she told us about this Trump rally that was going to be on Wednesday night in Fargo, North Dakota. So we thought, well, maybe we could go. And everybody was interested in it. It was a curiosity for sure. It was a historical event, no doubt. And so we went last night. We been, we spent several hours. We spent more time in the parking lot, snaking our way around, getting uh, eventually into the building, and then we spent a few hours in the building listening to President Trump and some other folks. And so I want to share that experience with you in this podcast. I have written it out, of course, as I do with all of my Your Daily Drive podcast. And so if you want to read a transcript of this podcast, you can go to our website, rickthomas.net, the title of it. I went to a President Trump rally last night. It was interesting and instructive on several levels, and I want to share with you at the end of this podcast just a few instructive elements that came to my mind after having this experience at that rally. But first, let me share with you our new book that came out recently. It's called Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. This is a 34 chapter book that walks through the change process. This is an excellent treatment on personal and relational transformation. If you're looking for a book to help you in your sanctification, how you can change, one of the titles, one of the chapters is, Why Do I Do What I Do? Well, we walk through that. All of us need to change. We are imperfect in different kinds of ways, and we want to progressively be sanctified. We want to imitate Christ as effectively as we can to our families, to our culture. Therefore, we all need to change. It's the heart of the gospel. It's why Christ came to change us from who we are to who we need to be. And so this book, Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. It would be also be great for a couple. It'll be excellent for a family. But if you want to be a better person, if you want to uh, change some of your ways, the way you think, the way you behave, I would encourage you to get this book and please share it with a friend. There's a link here in this podcast uh, where you can go to Amazon and have it shipped right to your door. Okay. So we've been visiting Lucia's sister in western Minnesota. She told us about the Trump rally in Fargo. And so we actually we needed to go to the Toyota place. Our van was having some issues, and the Toyota dealership in Fargo uh, was able to work on our van. And since they were having the rally, we decided that, uh, well, 
Let's see if we can get in. It's free. The event was free for anyone, though they did ask you to order your tickets through your phone. So what you do is you you type in the uh, code, and then they send you two tickets via text mail. They gave away a text a text message. They gave away two passes per phone number, and so we ordered six tickets for five of us. Ironically, as we entered the building last night, I couldn't find anyone to give my tickets to. I asked a police officer, but he didn't know while he he directed me to another staffer. And so I went to this lady and I asked her, I said, what do we do with these? And she said, well, we don't want your tickets. And I said, well, what is that about? And she said, well, the reason we had you go through that process was for tracking purposes. They use the ticket process as part of their security measures. Some people actually printed off the tickets. We had them on our phone so that they could scan them in, but either way, they were useless. <laughs> Nobody was interested. What they were doing is they were gathering our phone numbers, uh, everybody that asked for a ticket, and it was a part of their vetting process, which I did appreciate, by the way. With all the hostility toward President Trump, it was not a small concern to be near him, never knowing what some person may do. And with my family in a building with the president of the United States, I, I am glad that they had ratcheted up security measures. They scheduled the president for 7 p.m. And so we finished uh, getting our van worked on at the Toyota place at 2. And so what we thought we would do is we would drive by the arena. We weren't planning on getting there until 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but we were like 10 minutes away. So I asked my family, I said, let's just go. We'll check it out, see what's going on. Then we'll go downtown Fargo and walk around Fargo for a couple hours, and we'll come back at 4. So we went to the arena. We got there by 2.30, and when we got there, that place was wrapped with people. The parking lots were full. The people were standing at the door, and they wrapped and snaked all the way around the parking lot. It was it was a it was amazing. I couldn't tell how many people were there at two thirty. Now I talked to one gentleman. He said they're going to allow six thousand people to get into the auditorium, and he said where you're standing in line, you're probably at about the five thousand mark. And now that turned out to be true. We were probably the last five hundred people to get in the building. And so we got there at 2.30, 4.5 hours before the event started, and there were already almost 6,000 people in line. When I said it was snaked around the building it was, uh, or around the parking lot, it was snaked around the parking lot. If we had gotten there at 3 p.m. rather than 2.30, we would not have gotten into the building because, as it turned out, when we did get in, uh, they started. They cut every. They cut the rest of the people off. Uh, there were a few hundred people behind us that came in, 
And so our original plan was to drive by to check out things, come back at four, get in line. It was apparent that our intention was not a good one. And so once we arrived, we saw all the people snaked around the parking lot. We decided, well, we better go find the parking spot and get in line because it's not going to happen if we come any later than this. There were so many cars and people that it was a challenge to find the end of the line. Eventually, we made it. We met our new buddies for the afternoon for the next four hours, and we stood in the North Dakota sun. Now, it was 90 degrees, but it wasn't bad. I come from the southern part of the United States, and we have a different kind of hot down south. It is a humidity hot, and they didn't have nearly as much humidity up here in North Dakota, so though it was warm, it wasn't it wasn't bad at all. For me, it was an excellent time to edit my forthcoming book. I have a new book coming out in a few weeks, and I brought my I carry my uh, iPad Pro, my large iPad, with me uh, for situations like this. And so I stood in line and. I began editing my book as we waddled our way moving forward ever so slowly. There were vendors in mass everywhere selling everything, pens that you can uh, put on your clothes, bears, hats, T-shirts, anything that you can put the president's face on, anything that you could put a snappy cliche on. Uh, they were selling them. They had tents set up. They had mobile vendors pulling little carts around, walking along the line, uh, selling water, selling food, selling all all things Trump paraphernalia. I did chat with one lady who was selling T-shirts and pens and so forth, hats, and she happened to be black, and she's from Columbia, South Carolina, which was really odd. Uh, she lives 90 miles from where we live, but we're, I don't know how many hundreds of miles we are from South Carolina, well over a thousand miles from South Carolina, and she's here. And what she does is she follows the president, the president around, selling her wares, and she's making a good living. I had total respect for this lady. That's the American way. You think of an idea, you implement your plan, you make a living. Uh, she says she likes the president's capitalistic perspectives, and she's doing well. She says she made a good, makes a good bit of money um, following the president around at the rallies. That had never occurred to me that you can follow him around from uh, spot to spot and set up your tent and, and sell uh, your materials to folks, and that's what she did. And so we had a wonderful conversation, and I appreciated uh, what she's doing. Now, noticeably, there were only a handful of black people that I saw. Now, admittedly, there are not a lot of dark-skinned people in North Dakota other than Somalians. And so most of the people that were in the crowd and attended the rally last night were white people. The doors did open at 4 p.m. We snaked around the parking lot for two hours, inching our way toward the door. Once they opened, we were already there at 2.30, so we stood in line in a standstill for an hour and a half. And then from 4 to a little bit after 6, it took two hours for us to actually get inside the building. 
There were police of all kinds. There were Secret Service folks everywhere. Praise God for that. There were rows of porta potties. There was EMS. There was plenty of water. It was well organized. It was like any major event that you would uh, attend. It was well administrated. Everybody was civil. It was polite. People were kind. Uh, I talked to dozens of police officers throughout the evening before, during, and after the event, thanking them for their dedication and their care for us during the evening, and also for their care for our country. And, of course, they were all pleasant. They were grateful. They were interactive, and they were appreciative that uh, we would take the time to chat with them, and I would encourage you to do that every time you see a police officer and you have the opportunity is that you reach out your hand, you shake their hand, and you tell them that you appreciate what they are doing. Uh, they are putting their lives on the line, and when you're in an event like that, you do think of those things, and I appreciate the care. I appreciate the security. Uh, the building was nearly overflowing by the time we made it through the doors. Most of the seats were full around the bowl of the arena, and they were directing folks down to the floor. We tried to find a place where we could sit because, honestly, I didn't want to stand any longer. We had been standing from 2.30 to 6.30 at that time, and I just wanted to sit down. I was glad that we were part of the 6,000 people, but I was sad for the thousands that could not make it. There were a lot of people that didn't make it through the door. For us, it was a historical event for my children to see the President of the United States. Uh, they did perceive, as much as they could perceive, the magnitude of the moment, and they were grateful that they were there. I told them that I saw my first president in the, the 70s. It was Jimmy Carter. Before he was president, he was running for office, and it was an important thing to go and hear him make a speech in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now my children would get to see a sitting president of the United States, and it was a big deal, and they wanted to be there. They were appreciative. There were a few preliminary speakers before the president came out at 7 p.m. The music was loud, and it was eclectic. It was rock concert loud. I have been to a few rock concerts in my day, and the music was pretty loud. My youngest daughter had her fingers in, the, in her ears during this part before the speakers came out. They played classic rock tunes. They played country songs. There was an operatic classic at one point. The wave started spontaneously as the crowd was in hyper mode to see the president. They were loud. They were boisterous. They were raucous. Uh, they were excited. They were pumped. And, of course, uh, the music helped uh, to generate that. But even without, they... Uh, this was an excited uh, crowd of North Dakotans, if that's, I think that's how you'd say that. When the president came from behind the giant flag that was draped at the back of the stage, it was deafening. I mean, people just roared spontaneously, and he took his time. Uh, he strolled, he swaggered, he pointed at people, he clapped, he soaked in every moment as he made his way to the podium. The man knows how to enter a room. There's no question about that. And they were playing, I'm proud to be an American, and with that song blaring to a bunch of white folks, <laughs> it could not have been more raucous. 
And President Trump was everything that you would expect. The man, he knows how to work a crowd. He knows how to push all the right buttons. Uh, he's an entertainer. He knows how to entertain an audience. I mean, politics aside, he is an excellent entertainer. I mean, if you want to hear someone go and speak, everything that led up to it, his entrance his uh, onto the stage and his speech. I did tell a friend on Facebook that I'm glad I taught my children a few curse words, which is something that's important to us. I have an article on our website talking about the wisdom of teaching your children how to curse. And the reason that we teach our children how to curse is so that they will have a filter and they will understand curse words and they will know how they're used, why they use and why we don't talk that way. And they won't be taken off guard and we teach our children uh, those words so that they can engage their culture with wisdom and humility. And I told my friend on Facebook that I'm glad I taught my children how to curse uh, because our president has no inhibition about dropping a few words, which he did at several points during his message. He spoke for an hour, uh, which he, he could have said everything that he needed to say in 30 minutes. But the crowd was so positively reactive that he had to stop many times because the people were clapping, they were chanting, and they were hollering, they were giving ovations. Uh, and so a 30-minute message took about an hour with everything that was involved in the message. Now, we hung out about an hour after the event was over so that we could get some pictures down at the stage. In fact, I have, that's the primary picture here in the article that you can read if you want to. And so we took a few pictures of, of different things. Also, if you want to go to our Instagram page, we have a lot of pictures that's posted there, different aspects of the event, the crowd outside before the event started, during the event as well, and, and post-event. And you can look through those pictures if you want to see them. I, I wanted to see the whole process, and that's, that's usually how we function when we go to events like this, regardless of the type of event it is. We like to get there early, and we leave late. A couple of years ago, we were on the Charles River in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, uh, watching the uh, Pops, uh, the July 4th festivities. We got there real early. And then we were some of the last people to leave, and that's typically how we do these things. Of course, I wanted to see them breaking things down, packing up. The interviews that were going on down on the floor after the event, we wanted to interact with folks. I love talking with folks, just random meeting random strangers and and learning their story and interacting with them. And so we stayed a little bit more than an hour after the event. And so it was a full day. We got there at 2.30. We arrived home about 11.30 that night. Again, we were at a rally last night, uh, a President Trump rally in Fargo, North Dakota, as he's making stops around the country, as he's politicking for different uh, candidates who are running for office and of course, North Dakota is important to him and the Republicans as they're trying to get a Republican candidate into the Senate, as they're trying to get the current candidate out. And so President Trump was here speaking on behalf of the person who's running for office. 
I want to share with you just a few instructive thoughts. These are my observations. This is my commentary on being there, uh, taking in the event some things that went through my mind. I have about 10 of these that I want to share with you. Uh, the first one is, is that our president does govern conservatively, which has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, for those of you who were voting uh, when he was running for office, as you remember, there was a lot of tension as to who would be better for our country before his election. We really, as most people, where most people landed, most people that I talked to anyway, it was a lesser of two evils choice, and we were really perplexed as to who we were going to vote for. So it's been a pleasant surprise that our president does govern conservatively. He's implementing a lot of conservative policies, which is a good thing for us Christians. The second thing is that he's an entertainer who loves the spotlight. It is obvious. Uh, he was on one big ego trip. And there's no question about it from an observer's perspective, just the way he carries himself, the way he communicates, his demeanor. He's the center of attention for the entire world. And there's no question that he enjoys it. And the man is an entertainer. I'm not saying that as a negative. It's just it's who he is. Uh, he 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 entertained the crowd last night, and the crowd thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was it was really something to behold. He knows how to work a group of people. He's good at what he does, which partially explains why he says some of the outlandish things that he says. He's riffing uh, for the crowd. He just goes off and starts talking. Now, the downside to that, you know how sometimes you can get carried away when you're you know, in the moment uh, in a situation like that. And of course, the downside is that everything he says comes under scrutiny as his enemies dissect everything he says and they disseminate it for their own purposes. And so uh, there's a careless quality to the president's communication style, but I can see how he gets himself into that, those positions, specifically as he's speaking in a public uh, arena. I do public speaking. I know exactly what that's like, and I know the carefulness that's needed because you can get carried away, and when people start going, uh, particularly specifically the way they were going last night, uh, and he starts riffing and just starts saying things. But the problem is that when he says things, uh, it's it's a it's a tweet, uh, it's a 24-hour uh, news cycle uh, that receives commentary from all over the country. Uh, but I can see how that happens. The rhetoric is part of who he is. It's not appropriate, in my opinion, but it comes with the package. And I was fully convinced after attending uh, the rally last night that that's not going to change. It's too much entertainment. He enjoys it too much. Uh, the people enjoy it, and he's going to continue to do it. Now, the issue is that leadership is a massive stewardship issue. It doesn't matter if you're leading one person it doesn't matter if you're leading a family. It doesn't matter if you're leading a nation. There is a responsibility on you to lead well. Leaders have followers. 
and, and they have followers because the followers want to follow the leader. If you are a leader, you have followers. Those two things go hand in hand. And if you have followers, they, they do that of their own volition. They volunteer to follow. Therefore, the impetus is on the leader to lead well. That's why I say leadership is a massive stewardship issue. The more you lead, uh, the larger your constituency grows, the more carefulness you need to uh, adhere to because you have so much influence, a growing influence over more people. It's imperative for the leader to understand this influence that they have over individuals. And if you disparage others, the followers, many of the followers, will be tempted to emulate that kind of arrogance in some way. Careful communication is a critical quality for leaders because of the potential adverse impact it can have over their constituency, not only their constituency, but also their opponents. And so leadership is a massive stewardship issue because of the influence that you have over individuals. Therefore, the way you talk about others, the way you disparage others, the way you communicate in general, careful communication is a critical quality. As it pertains to our president, he seems to enjoy mocking his opponents. And though his opponents have ungodly agendas from a Christocentric perspective, he doesn't help matters with his communication style. He is a a provocateur. He provokes people. And there is no question that he has struck a chord with many Americans. The incrementalization of destroying the moral fabric of our country during my lifetime has created a visceral reaction from many conservative Americans. We have watched the incrementalization of the moral decay of our country, and President Trump (laughs) comes along, and he begins poking at that. And what he's doing, he's tapping into this pent-up unrest and fear that many conservative Americans have been feeling for decades as they have watched their country erode morally. You perceive, you go to a rally like this, and you perceive the low-grade anger. You perceive the frustration, the the hostility. You perceive the retaliation from the conservative right which is why it's imperative for the leader of these people to steward this opportunity well. It is a hugely—you could take a group of people who are frustrated, and they have legitimate reasons for their frustration. Well, you want to be careful how you care for, how you lead these people. Now, of course, that's not going to happen with our president. He's not going to change. And— it became apparent last night after listening to him. I'm, I'm not trying to be critical here. It's just a matter of fact. This is who he is. I said earlier that this is a massive uh, ego trip for him. He enjoys the spotlight. He's the center of attention. He can't get any higher than what he is now. And so he's not going to change. But here's the thing for us. Our hope and faith are not in our country. But the good news is the massive opportunity that you and I have to make a difference in how we discourse in the public square. We don't have to imitate the anger of the right. We don't have to imitate the anger of the left. We have a better picture to emulate. His name is Christ. Now, I am glad that we have a conservative. I put 
conservative in quotes here. I am glad that we have a conservative president. I don't care for the package that comes with him. But then again, as I look in the mirror, I'm an imperfect conservative too. There are a few things about me that are off-putting. But my greatest hope, however, is not in my country. It's not in my president. My greatest hope is in Christ alone. And my agenda is to impact as many lives as possible with his message. Now, I hope that my president will aid in this cause as he legislates in such a way that gives me the freedom to share my Christ in less restrictive means. And so I, I like a lot of the conservative policies. I don't like the package that we get, but that's what we have. But that gives me an opportunity I have the opportunity to lead people, to lead myself, to lead my wife, to lead my family, to lead an organization, and I want to steward this well, how I communicate, how I uh, share my thoughts, how we uh, present Christ throughout our organization, and how we present Christ to the world. We have an opportunity. Nevertheless, I went to a President Trump rally last night. I did enjoy it. It was quite instructive. I was glad that I was there. It was a wonderful event for my family. Uh, glad to be part of it, uh, learn how those things happen, uh, to learn a bit, learn more about the person who leads our country. And ultimately, it helps as far as knowing how to pray for this man and all the people who follow, uh, who are a part of his uh government, his organization, uh, it was good on many fronts. The protesters, by the way, were about 500 yards away. We didn't interact with any of them, could hardly see them. They were there, but they were pretty much a non-factor. If you want to talk about this or anything else, just jump on our website and let us know. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.